Hey fiends, this is Isabel. And Andrew, coming at you live from the Paraffin Studios. Paraffin Studio. You mean like this small little ass area that we <laughs> record record in? That's right. <laughs> it's not even that big. He makes it sound like we have like this big ass studio and we don't. We do not at all. No, just recording from our house. Yeah, pretty much. In a, <laughs> pretty much in a corner, actually, of our bedroom. Literally in a corner. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. <laughs> so tonight we are pretty tired because we got a little bit behind on recording. Yeah, it's actually been a series of events that have been just catastrophic for recording. Yeah, because we normally record in advance and we've been doing really well and just it just did not go well for us lately. Now, the so we had mechanical issues with our truck and uh, it was just a nightmare. Like I went into the store, got what I needed, came back out and the truck just boop, died on me. No warning, nothing. Yeah, and then and then what was hilarious is the key that we had to our car, mine, like the the thing that like unlocks it and starts it because it's a keyless yeah, start. The key fob. Yeah, died. And so I, I couldn't to, even I couldn't even get to him. Yeah, I had the the regular the primary one with me because I always keep my keys on me, and the spare at the house was just psh, yeah, dead. it was a. Shit show. Seriously. Yep. It so was I bad. A, I had a good five mile walk back to the house. Yeah. And then we had to go back to the store and we couldn't get the damn truck started at yeah. all. Jumper cables were not cutting it. Yeah. So we finally got it turned on after what, like two hours? Yeah. An hour and a half maybe? Yeah. Something like that. And then we finally got it back to the house and then couldn't get it started this morning to get it to the store to get a new battery. Yep. So... I had to uh, play mechanic in the fr- in the driveway and pull the battery out, take it to the store, uh, to the auto store. They didn't have a battery. Next auto store I called, didn't have the battery. Had to go to a third one. Uh, man, it was just a whole t- experience. Yeah, so it wasn't a paranormal issue, but it damn sure was horror. <laughs> yeah, all around. So uh, speaking of horror, though... Our oldest daughter has been complaining about her lights upstairs, like, flickering. Yeah. And we have no electrical problems. And we're not even talking about, like, the the actual electricity through the house. We're talking about she has these lights that she has strung up. And yeah, you the have, tea lights. Yeah. And, no, or, well, fairy lights. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they actually turn different colors and stuff. And you, they can't, they don't have a flicker, op- uh, like, option. Yep. You have to like pick a color or whatever, or you can have it like cycle through them and you have to use like a remote and they're not acting correctly. And so we actually unplugged them Yeah. and we took them into the library and they were fine. Yep. Put them back in her room and we used a completely different outlet. Yep. And then like a couple of days later it did it again. And she says that she's been feeling like there might be... Somebody in there with her. Yep. It is not cool. I am not happy about it. Nope. I'm definitely getting that uh, salt shotgun, and I'm I'm just going to start <laughs> clearing the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The Tuesday episode was so much fun. Just, it was. Just now that we're kind of on topic of that. And I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Uh, we haven't... We're kind of recording, actually, the episodes back, back to, to back. back. 
So we don't know. We haven't heard from anybody yet, obviously, because it hasn't even released yet. But I really hope that everybody liked it. So speaking of horror, uh, we also encountered something else that was pretty terrifying. Are you talking about Starbucks? Yeah. Oh, God. So uh, Isabel was really just craving a coffee. And so I was like, all right, cool. Let's run up there, grab you a coffee. I'll grab one as well. Make a whole, uh, you know. A thing of it. Yeah, like a little date trip. Yeah. Just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And we ordered the coffee, pull up to the window, and I audibly said, oh, damn. Yeah, and I I made some kind of weird noise. Yeah, it was like a a gasp, I guess. Yeah, but like a very odd one. Yeah. We were both very surprised and kind of taken aback. Because the woman standing at... The drive-thru window was wearing a full pink bodysuit with, like, just her face showing. Yeah, but at the time, she wasn't even facing us. She no. was facing away from us. And that's what that's what kind of got us because she had, like, a hood up. Yeah. So all we could see was just, like, I guess, like, the shape of a human, but it was just pink. And there was yeah. nothing else. Just a pink humanoid figure <laughs> standing, making it, coffee. It honestly scared the shit out of me. And then she finally turned around and all you could see was her eyes because she had her mask on yep. and then just still all pink. And I was like, oh, Lord, oh. it was it was like Pepto-Bismol. For real. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was actually scared. I was like, oh, my Lord. Yeah, it was something else. All right. Well, you want to go ahead and get into today's tale? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Come closer, fiendish friends, and let us tell you a tale. So I have the tale this week. You do, and I have no idea what the topic is. Yeah, you don't know. And I'm actually really excited about this because I am so like fascinated by space and like what could be out there. Oh, no. Yeah. So I decided to pull up what is known as the Maury Island incident. Okay. And I am so excited. Um, so, so is, is this story going to be pretty interstellar? I mean, I mean, it's, it's all on the earth, but you know. All right. You'll cool. see. Okay. So for this week's story, I chose something, you know, that I thought was kind of weird. Not necessarily because of what it is, but the surrounding details of it. Okay. Now, let me let me ask before we start, what are your thoughts on aliens and UFOs? So, I, I'm fully on board with the possibility. Um, I've never had an experience or anything to make me, you know, a true believer. But I think there's no way that our planet is the only one that has life. Right. right yeah, that's that's my thoughts, too. I've never actually seen anything, but I do have a wild story about a UFO, and it actually entails my grandfather, and I will 100% share that story for the Patreons whenever we finally drop that. All right. It is a fucking wild story and totally worth hearing. I remember your mom told me that one. Oh, God. It's, it, you know, it happened before I was born. And just hearing it just shivers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, all right, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Many people know what UFOs are, but if you don't know, UFO stands for Unidentified Flying Object. So anything typically in the sky that is unexplainable. 
It's usually connected with extraterrestrial beings or, you know, aliens. Mm. There are reports of UFO sightings in the hundreds to thousands every year. Like, really? it is crazy to see, like, how many get reported every year. Who's who's tracking all that? Who's the reporting, like, I'm, I think a lot of it comes down to, like, a lot of people uh, will call 911. Like, seriously, oh. there's, like, recordings out there all over the place of people calling dispatch and being like, there's something going on. Could you imagine being like the NYPD UFO department? Oh, you can go down rabbit holes, seriously, of of just that, if you choose to. Huh. I mean, they're out there, a lot of them. Okay. So UFOs are usually depicted as metallic in cover and, oh, in color. I cannot <laughs> speak. I think it's because it's so late. Um, and spherical in shape, flying in the sky at unnatural speeds. Sometimes they're seen alone, but usually they're reported to be in formations with other UFOs. Yep. Now, that's just the standard. UFOs have been seen in all kinds of shapes and colors. A lot of the time, the UFOs are emitting lights from them or sometimes completely covered in light. Imagine like a big glowing ball in the sky. I think that it would be fairly unusual to see something that wasn't... Uh round spherical something with no hard corners could you imagine like a floating cube i know and there's actually oh my god there is actually a video out there and i'm gonna have to show it to you later and i'll i'll i will legit post it if i can find it but it is just literally a cube really? just floating in the sky like stationary oh. i don't remember where i saw it but it is it like i know i did it was i think it was on like one of those like can you believe it shows like yeah. one of the paranormal kind of shows it is a weird. It is a huge, just like square in the sky. So a flying unidentified object would be unsettling enough, but then like a hovering or floating cube mm -hmm. would just be the most unsettling. Oh yeah, for sure. So today we're going to discuss what is called the Maury Island incident. Um, this particular event is surrounded heavily by UFOs and conspiracy theories. Of course. And the entire thing is so fucking mind-blowing to me. There is a lot to unpack, and honestly, some of it seriously makes you think. Okay. Uh, the Maury Island incident is not one that you typically hear about. Normally, when you think about aliens and UFOs, I bet the Roswell incident is typically what comes to mind. It's the event that has the most no notoriety. True. Um, what I find fascinating about these two events is that they might actually be connected. Really? And to top it off, there's a third event that happened between the Maury Island and Roswell incidents with all three occurring within a few months. What's the third one? We'll go into that. Okay. Not like super heavily, and um, but we'll kind of get like a, okay. a thing going about it. Like a timeline. Yeah, that that's the word. I'm <laughs> telling you, it's late. Guys, it is late. I'm telling you. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, back it up and start at the beginning. Okay. Now I'm gonna say up front that there is an animal death in this story, but it's very quick. Um, but I just want to give a heads up about it because I know that that affects some people. Yeah, it's a huge bummer. Yeah, and it's literally just the statement about the animal dying, but I just want people to know. And I will, I will literally kind of give a heads up before I say it. Though UFOs have been depicted in paintings and stories for millennia, 1947 marked the true beginning of the UFO era. It seems that year was just filled with sightings. And at the beginning of it all was the Maury Island incident. So that summer of 1947, on June 21st, 
A man named Harold Dahl was on his boat with his 15-year-old son, his dog, and two of his crewmen. Harold Dahl was a logger and was just off the coast of Maury Island and South Puget, and he was just collecting logs that were floating to resell. Mm. According to Dahl, it was around 2 in the afternoon when everyone on board noticed six unidentified flying objects appear in the sky. Now, they were described as donut-shaped and about 100 feet in diameter each, which that is huge. Flying donuts. Yeah, flying donuts, (laughs) which is kind of funny. And like the depiction that I saw, like they didn't have like a center to them. So it was like a true donut. Yeah. And I think that's why they use that description. What else? Bagels? (laughs) Yeah. Bagels, I guess. Hold on. Uh, So 1947. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's when people started uh, reporting stuff because video cameras became more available i mean it's possible i know that there's like paintings yeah um of you know uh what they think are ufos Mm -hmm. they look suspiciously like ufos you can look them up and see them um there's even like um i can't remember exactly but i think there was even like a biblical um uh thing where they were talking about it or something i don't remember i know the ancient alien shows keep saying that you know uh Egyptian hieroglyphs mm-hmm. have like, and that's it. Well, that's and, a big one with like yeah. the pyramids and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, and that's actually an episode I would love to do one day. So, mm. yeah, foreshadowing. Oh yeah, I I really enjoy UFO stories, even though they scare the shit out of me. All right, so one of the flying discs was reported to appear in distress and began releasing from somewhere within it steaming metallical or like metallic debris into the sound and onto the beach. Hmm. The debris hit the boat and heads up, it killed the dog and broke his son's arm. Sad. Yeah, very sad. It appeared that ejecting the debris had fixed whatever issue that UFO was having and the remaining discs surrounding it kind of like got together back in formation and they took off at an unbelievable speed, disappearing into the sky without making a sound. Donuts engage warp speed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty typical for, you know, UFO sightings is that they are very fast and they disappear very quickly and no sound. I'm very familiar with donuts disappearing at warp speed. Yeah. Especially in this house. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Dahl and his crew immediately began to gather debris from the UFO before heading to the beach and gathering debris from there as well. They called on the police to report the incident, and when the police took their statement separately, all four were consistent. The next day, on June 22nd, Harold Dahl stated he was visited by a man in black Hmm. who warned him that he was to not talk about what he'd seen. It seems the notorious men in black might have paid Dahl a visit who we briefly mentioned in the the Mothman episode. And obviously, I don't want to go too much into the Men in Black because I want to do an episode on them. Like, I want to do an episode on everything. Um, but essentially, they're men who show up randomly to muzzle witnesses of UFO sightings and encounters. They warn people to not talk about them, but they also have weird connections with other creatures as well, like with the Mothman. Yeah, that's... Anytime something happens and some dudes something, in black suits yeah. show up, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this just got a lot more credible. Yeah, and a lot more scary, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. Because, I mean, you know, like I said, I don't want to go too far into them, but nobody knows who they are yeah. or like really what they're about. And it just, 
there, I, I haven't seen any reports on them like doing anything to anybody, but mm-hmm. scary, you know? Yeah. So while doing research, I found a show on the History Channel called UFO Hunters, and they did an episode on Moray Island. And they did a pretty decent job of showing a depiction of what occurred that day. And they went into some of the conspiracy theories that we will briefly touch on. So it's worth a watch if you're interested. Now, I also noticed that a there was a 30-minute like indie film or like documentary. Um, it had been made. It was called The Moray Island Incident. It was made by a man named Steve Edmondston, I think, who produced it alongside with his partner, Scott Schaefer. I tried to find the film to watch it, but I didn't have any luck. It was made back in 2014, and I guess it was released to the theaters, but it seems to have just like gone into a vault somewhere. And if anyone can find it, let me know, because I, I tried to find it, and I just I just couldn't. Those damn men in black. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They were like, you got to pull this shit. <laughs> Don't be telling people our secrets. Um, So on June 24th, three days after Dahl witnessed the UFOs, a a private pilot named Kenneth Arnold was flying his small airplane when he came face to face with nine metallic discs flying over Mount Rainier in Washington. He claimed that the UFOs were moving at speeds of a minimum of 1,200 miles per hour or, you know, 1,932 kilometers per hour, which is outrageously fast. Yeah, I was going to ask. Were those donut shaped as well? But I guess moving at that speed, like there's no way you could tell. Yeah. And so, well, okay. Now I kind of went in, I, I decided to like kind of look into the aircrafts at that time. Cause I was like, is there anything else that was like moving that quick, you yeah. know, at the time? So we did have the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird that can that can reach 2,100 miles per hour, but this airplane was produced uh, was introduced in 1966, and I mean we're talking about 1947. Mm-hmm. So we got to look a little bit earlier. Um, on October 14, 1947, the Bell X-1 became the first airplane to fly faster than the uh, than the speed of sound, reaching 700 miles per hour at the altitude of 43,000 feet. So I could be wrong, but from what I see when I looked it up, there wasn't even a plane that could go as fast as what Arnold claimed these UFOs were going at the time he saw them. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. But there's also a credibility factor where, like, if you're flying a plane, can you really judge the speed of another unidentified flying object to be, like, pinpoint? It was going 1,200 miles per hour exactly. I, but he didn't He didn't say that it was going exactly that. He said it was going at least that. And I have to think that, like, he is a pilot himself. Mm. And, you know, granted, you're right. Nobody can be like, oh, that's exactly how fast they were going without having some kind of device that can, you know, uh, right. you know, like, test that. But I would think that he would be a good enough judge to be able to tell that it was going faster than anything else could true but but there's also that whole thing of like you know what what did the military have like if you really want to go into it you know it is possible that there could have been something that we just didn't know about that could go that fast but who knows i mean really didn't see a flying uh unidentified flying object i'm not saying that it wasn't an alien craft all i'm saying is with with ufos i tend to try and debunk it yeah yeah because one i don't want it to be real because there's a portion of me that's like 
nah, that's not good for me. Well, yeah, especially because you have all the horror stories of like gray aliens, yeah. like abducting people and like they never come back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it because that's why it scares. As much as it fascinates me, it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. And I, like, obviously we all know I fucking hate the Mothman. <laughs> and now we know that like I have a thing about the Hat Man too. But if we really want to get down to like what scares me the most, it's aliens. Mm-hmm. And and I think it, it literally comes down to the stories that we hear of like the things that they do to people. Yeah. And I don't like I don't like the thought of potentially being abducted from my own fucking bed and never coming back. Yeah, me I don't like that thought either no. because I sleep right next to you. Yeah, it's horrifying. Could you imagine like waking up and my happy ass is levitating from the bed and just floating out the door and there's nothing you can do about it and you just never see me again? I would break. Yeah, I would too. I mean if it was like, you know, reversed. Right, yeah. it, oh my gosh. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> So Arnold wasted no time in reporting his encounter, and his story was published everywhere. You could not turn around without seeing this man's story on a newspaper. Somehow, this led to him quickly being called the world's unofficial UFO uh, expert. I'm not sure how seeing nine UFOs somehow makes you an expert, but uh, okay. Well, I mean, I, you know, in a time when it was pretty new I mean, and rare. They're like, oh, well, you saw something, so, you know, you must know all about it, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. So on a fun side note, though, real quick, Arnold's story is where the term flying saucer and flying disc became popularized. Hmm. So due to the shape of the crafts he was seeing, they compared them to saucers and discs, circular and flat. Hmm. I just thought it was a fun little piece of information. That's good trivia. Yeah. So now, jumping to July 7th, 1947, the Roswell incident came to light. Now, I'm going to do a quick overview of what happened, but this is another one that I really want to cover in depth. Um, So on June 14th, a UFO was speculated to have crashed in the New Mexico desert just outside of Roswell. July 4th, a rancher named W.W. Mac Brazel found wreckage on his property. Now, Brazel stated he had seen several articles in the newspaper about flying saucers being seen. So he assumed that the wreckage might have been the remains of like one of those discs. Um, With the rubble of what he found were rubber strips, tinfoil, and thick paper, which I thought was kind of strange. On July 7th, Brazel took some of the materials to the Roswell Sheriff, who in turn gave them to a colonel at the Roswell Army Airfield. Hmm. Um, The next day, on July 8th, the Roswell Army Airfield put out a report backing up their findings of a supposed UFO. Articles began to appear in the newspapers the following day, and the story became an instant success. So the report was like, yeah, this is not human. Yeah, so when they first reported on the Roswell incident, they backed up that it was a UFO. Huh. They were like, yeah, no, it, it's definitely not from here. On a on a quick off topic, his name is W.W. Mac Brazel. So the Mac is like his his nickname. Yeah. Um, and Brazel is his last name. And the W.W. is just um, initials. What a great name for a rancher. I know, right? That's I literally thought that. Soon, the incident was everywhere like even more so than arnold's sightings um it wasn't until later that the airfield actually recanted what they said and stated that what brazel found was only the remnants of a weather balloon oh suspicious i know right so they're like oh yeah that's definitely a ufo and they're like oh never mind (laughs) just kidding yeah that's exactly what they did that's messed up yeah so speaking of roswell 
your mom grew up there? Yeah, my mom was born in Roswell. Yeah, so her parents lived there all the time. Mm-hmm. So my grandparents my, uh, immigrated here yeah. from Sweden. Right. And that that's where they settled because huh. he owned like a construction company and that was just like the perfect place, right. I guess. I don't know why, but it was. Because of all the aliens crashing <laughs> in the building. Yeah, I guess so. So my mom and like my two aunts and, you know, my uncle were born in Roswell and they lived there. They lived in New Mexico up until they finally moved to Texas before I was born. Yeah. Huh. Well, your uh, grandfather was a pilot, right? He was. He actually owned several small planes, and that's that's part of his uh, his alien sighting. Mm. So, I mean, I'm telling y'all, when we finally drop our Patreon, which is coming very soon, like literally very soon, you're going to want to hear this because we're talking Roswell, he's a pilot, and aliens. It's... Mm-hmm. So crazy. I'm telling you, I can't even, like, I'm getting, like, goosebumps just thinking about it. Okay, so um, so we're going to talk more about the the crazy incident of Roswell whenever I finally do, like, a full episode on it. Okay. Um, but you will definitely want to hear how nuts, like, just the Roswell story is because, like, if you think, like, what I'm talking about is crazy, that gets real nuts. Uh, you will actually get to see like the shadiness that came from those in the military who changed their stories like a million times on what Brazel actually found. Yeah, because I haven't looked into Roswell at all. So oh, I have. I know only you have. only because of you know my mom being from sure. there, and and we used to go all the fucking time. Yeah, you know, whenever I was growing up. It's not one of the things that I've looked into heavily, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that episode yeah, there, as well. There's like an alien museum in Roswell, and I think most people probably know that. And it it's very fascinating. Like it's a small museum, but right. it's filled with all kinds of cool shit. It's a good place for mm-hmm. it. One day, like as much as I don't, not to offend anybody from New Mexico, but that's just not like my favorite landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to go back, you know, there at least just to show you Roswell. Yeah, I'd go check it out, especially after all this stuff. It's interesting. Yeah, it's worth it. So on July 29th, Arnold approached Dahl after hearing his story to get a firsthand interview of his sighting, and they began to began they began to compare their encounters. Uh, it's interesting to me that these three huge incidences happened so closely to one another. Mm-hmm. Plus, the crafts that Arnold Dahl and Kenneth Arnold had seen were reportedly very very similar in appearance. I mean, all of it's just really fucking weird. Right after Arnold interviewed Dahl, he, for some reason, contacted some intelligence officers in the Army who immediately went to Maury Island to collect debris. Why Why had Arnold contacted them? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what connection there is, like, why he would do that. He was afraid of the Russians. <laughs> yeah, Russians. Uh, then, on August 1st, 1947, Dahl reported that he was visited by two military intelligence officers. This is just days after his talk with Arnold. Now, the officers took the debris he had collected and placed it onto a B-25 bomber, which is a medium-sized bomber airplane. Now, the plane was supposed to fly from McCord Air Force Base in Tacoma, Washington, to Hamilton Air Force Base in Northern California. This airplane just two weeks prior had been overhauled and inspected, but that didn't stop the plane from mysteriously catching on fire 20 minutes after takeoff and crashing in the remote wilderness of Kelso, Washington and Goble Creek Valley. Two passengers in the plane ejected to safety, but the two pilots were killed. Damn. Yeah. So it like got 
this alien substance on board, mm -hmm. and then it was like, oh, yeah, it's perfect aircraft. Took off, then nope. Yeah, <sighs> 20 minutes into takeoff, it just, yeah, caught fire. Wow. So the official Army, uh, Air Corps reported that the plane had crashed due to fire in an internal junction box. But UFO enthusiasts speculate that it was due to a trigger from the alien debris they were carrying. Now, I'm not an aircraft mechanic by any means, but that does seem kind of suspicious that the plane had just been inspected. Yeah. However, I also know that one, things can be missed. And two, things can go wrong at any time. Sure. So, I mean, was it due to a faulty part or UFO debris? Uh, we'll never know. Yeah, I guess so. Now, this next bit of information is really interesting. It kind of digs into the conspiracy side of the, this whole thing. Okay. On the show I watched, UFO Hunters, they contacted a man named Barry Fisher, who was the grandnephew of Air Corps pilot Frank Brown. He was one of the pilots who died when the B-25 went down. Uh, Fisher had apparently been doing research on the plane crash and the UFO incidents and came across some information that after Brown's body was recovered, his CAC, you know, his military ID, yeah. was given to Kenneth Arnold. Why? Yeah. Like, why would they give that to Arnold? It it doesn't make sense. They should have given his ID back to the Army. Right. That's odd. Yeah. So it seems to me that Arnold is playing some role behind the scenes that we can't see, especially with the knowledge that he called intelligence officers after talking to Dahl, as I said earlier. Hmm. It's just suspicious. Like, what, what was he doing? Yeah. I truly want to know and will never know. That's really curious. Yeah. Now, there are so many conspiracies that are ingrained in this whole thing. I fully encourage everybody to look into them because, wow. Like, there's or, a lot. Or just wait and we'll do an episode on it. Or that. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind deep diving into it and just doing the conspiracy th uh, side of this because, I mean, that was something we've always talked about is doing conspiracy episodes. It would make for a really good Tuesday episode. Oh, true. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, first you have the men in black that supposedly visit a doll, right? And the men in black are like mystical, right? Um, do I believe they're real? Probably, but I also lean really heavily on government conspiracy theories, uh, depending on what they are, of course. There are just many, like too many weird things happening with the government in this story. And I fully believe that Arnold is playing on their side. I just don't know why. And like I said, it, it drives me nuts. Uh, the pressure was building not only within the military, but the public. UFOs were becoming a really big thing and people wanted answers. Just like people, you know, still want answers now. Sure. I can only imagine the things poor Harold Dahl was having to deal with. Oh, yeah. Uh, really? Media wanting interviews, the military potentially hounding him, and his dealing with the men in black. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm sure he got bugged, like, on the street by oh, yeah. random people. Just, I mean, especially because if it was high press, like, everybody was And you, you also know, have to think that this was, like, right after World War II. Mm-hmm. And that does not help. Yeah. At all. Man. So, you know, it obviously isn't a surprise that on August 7th, Dahl recanted his testimony to the FBI, stating that he had made up his entire encounter. Special agents of the FBI conducted an, uh, like an investigation into the deaths of the pilots from the B-25 and concluded that Dahl had not recanted his story because it didn't happen. The hmm. FBI like really? said that. Yeah. 
They noted in their file that Dahl stated if questioned by the authorities, he was going to say it was a hoax because he did not want any further trouble over the matter. Wow. So he he recanted, but he he lied about yeah. making it up because he was tired of getting hounded. Lied about lying. Yeah. So he had made the claim that this was all bullshit because of mounting pressure from public attention and the ridicule he was facing, which sucks. Yeah. Um, ultimately, the FBI's conclusion and Dahl's secret were sealed for 50 years. Really? But luckily, the Pentagon has been giving us some decent videos and documents dealing with UFOs. So we're getting to see a lot of things that people were suspicious about back in the day. But we're still not, you know, we're still not getting a lot. And a lot of what they've been releasing has been uh, redacted. Really? Yeah. Um, well, there's the uh, videos that have come out lately about from like the, the pilots and stuff yeah, and the pentagon saying like we don't know what that is yeah and which is fascinating right so fascinating that like our government is like we don't we don't know yeah. like truly like for forever they were just trying to like cover it up they were either hiding it from us or they were i don't know saying that it was something else but now they're legit putting out videos saying we don't know what this is i thought it was super funny that they pushed that out during covid and everybody was so COVID focused. They were like, oh, by the way, there's UFOs. And everybody was like, yeah, oh, whatever. yeah, but COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so the Senate put out a Senate resolution on April 18th, 2017 that timelined the entire event with Dahl, ultimately recognizing what he had seen. Now, they didn't agree that what he had seen was real. They simply just recognized his account and acknowledged the, 70, uh, the 70th anniversary of the June 21st, 1947 Maury Island incident. The incident that kicked off the Summer of Saucers, because so many were being reported and seen. It's a good name. Yeah. Uh, they also recognized the heroism of the Army, uh, Army Air Corps intelligence officers, Captain William L. Davidson and First Lieutenant Frank M. Brown, who died in the B-25 crash, which that's that's awesome. Yeah. Because regardless of anything else, two people lost their lives and right. they definitely deserve some kind of recognition. For sure. Um, I know I keep saying that I want to do future episodes on certain subjects, but I really want to do one on aliens in general in the future. And I know that the story didn't deep dive into the men from outer space, but hearing the story, does it make you believe just a little bit more? Yeah, it it's a lot of questions that mm -hmm. you want answers to. And I, th I think the lack of answers just makes more questions. So what about potential conspiracy theories? Like, do you think they were hiding something? Or like, do you think Kenneth Arnold is shady? Just, just kidding. Not really, but just kidding. <laughs> so, I, conspiracy theories are a thing, right? Oh, yeah. And there's been several times when people have had conspiracy theories, and then things were later proven to be like, oh, no, that was actually happening. And it's like, oh, maybe it's not so crazy after all. It's not so crazy to think that some of these conspiracy theories could actually be true. But then that's that's a dark rabbit hole to go down because... Then you end up with, you know, some really out there conspiracy theories that I just can't buy into at all. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am is like, I look at them and I'm like, okay, there's potential for yeah. some of them. And then some of the other ones I look at and I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't believe it at all. Right. It's one of those, if, if you start believing in A, 
how long before you get to believing in Z and it's Z is just completely crazy. It just snowballs. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as like aliens, I have a full belief that they're real. Oh, yeah. Like the universe is just too big and I can't believe that we're the only ones floating around in it. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that doll saw six donut sized and shaped UFOs flying around? I I actually think that the chances are high. I also believe it's plausible that Arnold saw the nine UFOs around his plane even. Now, I have my thoughts on Roswell as well, but I'm going to keep those to myself until we do the episode. Um, I'm not sure why our government has been so adamant about hiding information from us, and I would like to say that they have the reasons, but I just can't bring myself to say it. Ultimately, there are still so many questions left unanswered, and I have to hope that one day the truth will finally be revealed. So you said donut sized and shaped not sized i actually misquoted there so okay. sorry um just shaped um, that's yeah that's my sorry i should have probably just edited that out but i'm not going to listeners so um <laughs> you, i'm gonna say it again i'm extremely tired we probably ultimately should have recorded this <laughs> tomorrow but you know it's fine uh, but they were donut shaped and it said that they were about 100 feet in diameter oh that's a big donut yeah that's what I was saying earlier. That's huge. Yeah. Oof. It's a crazy story. Like, it, it was so hard to find, like, a bunch of information because things are still being hidden. So, you know, really, ultimately, the story, like we said, it, it leaves more questions than answers. But it's definitely worth an episode, in my opinion, because, fuck. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? I do. And it just, I fully believe that. I mean, I know that there's, I know that there's accounts out there of people seeing UFOs that are just bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people make stuff up all the time, but they can't all be untrue. Yeah, they I just mean, can't. There's too many people, too many videos, too many accounts. Like, it, it's kind of the inverse of what I was saying on Tuesday's episode. If even one is true. Then that's a game changer. Exactly. Ninety nine could be fake, but if one is true, and I know oh. we've, I know we've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it now because I think it's a really interesting topic. I, I heard somewhere, and I cannot for the life of me remember where, but I remembered somebody saying something about how there's like obviously reports, you know, that mm-hmm. we we can't verify that we somehow got some kind of information from like an alien species saying that the majority of the aliens like that are out there, they're like, okay, they're they're not looking for war. They're just trying, they're peaceful, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just the gray aliens that are assholes Mm. that like, those are like the fucking Darth Vader's of the fucking (laughs) universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but I, I do find it interesting that most of the brutal alien stories that we hear are little gray men. Or is it a lie from some alien species <laughs> to trick us? But then why why are all these people saying little gray men? Why why are is that what they're seeing? It's a setup. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> all right. Well, are you ready to move on to some listener stories? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We gather here today to hear a tale from our friends from the other side. So you have the story for me this time. Yep, I'm kicking it off. All right. So the first listener's story here is uh, it's a pretty good one. I think you're going to like it. I'm excited. All right. 
Hey, Isabel and Andrew, and all the fiends out there. I have been listening to your podcast since you released episode one, and I absolutely love it. Thank you. (laughs) It gives me all the spooks and chills. I decided to send in my email because I have a super crazy tale that is not only paranormal related, but holds first place for the worst time in my life. Oh, no. I'm going to keep my true name to myself, but you can call me Ashley for the sake of the story. I'm also going to change all of the names of the people involved. You'll soon see why. Okay. When I was about 24 years old, I met a guy that we will call David because I do not want any contact with this dude. I hope to all the spaghetti monsters in the world that he does not listen to your show. But in case he does, let me just say up front, fuck you. Oh, man. Okay. I really want to know now. (laughs) I read that verbatim, too. That's how she said. Nice. Now, at first, David was great, and we became best friends really fast. We spent practically every day together, and I guess David began to catch feelings for me. I didn't feel, though he never told me at the time. Now... While all this is going on, I'm starting to suspect that my house may be haunted, which is kind of weird considering I had been living there for a few years and nothing strange had happened before. But now, I was hearing things like footsteps and doors closing. It was scaring the living hell out of me, but I never really felt like there was something evil there. It was more just like I wasn't used to hearing things and it had never happened to me before. And to be honest, even though I was scared, it almost felt protective which also didn't make sense to me. But I ultimately left it alone because I didn't feel like I was in danger. I'm going to pause at this point in the story to say that this is going to go from paranormal to something really heavy, trigger trigger warning for stalking. Oh no. I began to notice that David was becoming a bit clingy, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why. I have to admit, at the time, I was really naive and didn't see the early signs, so I shook most of it off and just blamed my overactive imagination. The first major sign of trouble happened one Saturday night after me and David had gone to see a movie together. He dropped me off at my house and I said goodnight and immediately went inside. My roommate Sarah, at the time, was chilling in the living room and about 45 minutes after I walked in, she came into my room with a really strange look on her face. She asked me why David was still parked in front of our house. Oh, fuck that. Right? I got up and looked outside, and sure enough, his distinct red sedan was outside, turned off, with David just sitting inside. That's creepy. Yeah. He was just chilling in the car? Yep. I called him, and he answered. I asked why he was still outside my house, and he made up some excuse saying he was uh, on the phone. I watched him turn in his car and drive away. I shrugged it off. And hung up with David. David was a fucking liar. Yeah. So I had met a guy I really liked a few weeks prior. His name is Jacob. And at the time, he lived a few hours away. So we spent most of our time talking on the phone. When we were talking, I casually told about David being outside for 45 minutes when Jacob told me that was weird. I explained him why I didn't think it was, but he didn't agree. I really wish I had listened. I, I mean, that's a hard situation. Oh, yeah. So... I went outside to get a breath of fresh air. Now, mind you, it had been four hours since David left. I was still on the phone with Jacob, and I casually looked down the street and noticed David's red sedan was parked about a block away from my house. No fucking way. Now, I lived on a street that dead-ended with both ends on the street uh, that entered in the middle. It's kind of hard to explain, but what really matters here is there was no reason for David to be there. And his sedan stuck out like a sore thumb because several months prior, he had wrecked the side of it, and it was pretty torn up. All the hairs on the back of my neck stood on it, 
and I hung up with Jacob before dialing David again. He answered, and I casually as I could asked him why he was parked down the street from my house. I could not believe it when he told me he wasn't. <gasps> he said he wasn't there? Mm-hmm. I told him I could see his car and that he was a liar. He then told me that if I didn't believe him, why not just walk down the street to see? Every alarm bell went off in my head, and my self-preservation kicked in. I decided then and there not to argue with him. I hung up and went back inside. That's like, yeah, that's heavy. No. I Yeah, like, okay, I'm sorry, but that's like kidnapping kind of like, mm-hmm. like, hey, come come check me out. And, and oh, no, I don't like this. Yeah. Now, I'm sure every listener and Isabel is screaming at me, why didn't you call the police? I don't have a great answer for that other than young age and being so naive. I stupidly thought I could just ignore him and he would go away. That's exactly what I did. I ignored him, but he did not go away. Oh. It just seemed to make it oh, worse. No. One night, I was sitting on my back porch talking to Jacob, as I did most nights, when I got a random text from David aggressively asking me who I was talking to. Dude, he, this is hella stalkerish. Yeah. He had been sitting in the alley, watching and listening to me through the slats in the fence. Several days later, David approached my house when I was at work and confronted Sarah about where I was. Sarah was freaked out, and she rightly should have been. It was then that I finally realized that this dude was a straight stalker, and I was scared this was not going to turn out well. Oh, my heart is literally, like, rapidly beating. Once again, I did not call the police. Yes, yes, shame me. <laughs> I should have. Instead, I did the best next thing, at least to me. I called Jacob and told him everything that had happened. I even explained to him that I was concerned because throughout all of this, the haunting inside of my house was ramping up. It was just a big mess all around. Jacob had had enough and promptly drove to where I live. We went out on a date, but I knew there was—I knew he was there to watch over me. Go, Jacob. <laughs> the night was pretty uneventful at first. We went to dinner, had a few drinks. At the end, he offered to stay the night, and I agreed. We were sleeping when I heard the sound of rustling leaves next to my window. I ignored it, thinking it was probably just an animal. But then I heard a louder sound. I woke up Jacob, who immediately started to put his clothes on and go investigate. We looked out my window, but we didn't see anyone. Then I heard a man scream. We ran into the kitchen, where the noise had come from, and I stopped in my tracks, at the site in front of me. On the other side of the back door was David. He was dressed in clothing that would conceal him in the darkness, and I later realized that he had been there for something really nefarious. Oh my god. But that thought did not enter my head at that moment, because on the opposite side of the back door, inside my house, was the transparent, transparent figure of a large man looking at David. What? David was petrified. I could see the terror on his face. He did not even notice me, instead turning and fleeing and running from my backyard. As soon as David was gone, the apparition in the doorway turned our way, and I was greeted with the kindest, most protective smile. And no. then he just vanished. <gasps> that is, that's, oh my God. Do you see the goosebumps? Do you see them? <laughs> I do. Oh my gosh. After that night, the haunting in my house completely stopped. I never saw the ghost again. And most importantly, I never saw David again. It probably helped that Jacob had called David and left a voicemail telling them that if he ever spoke my name again, he would hunt him down. Go, Jacob. Once again, <laughs> I like this guy. So that's my story. And it is, to this day, the most intense thing that has ever happened to me. My advice for all the people listening that might be going through a stalking situation or might in the future, please, please do not be like me. 
Call the damn police and report it. I will forever be grateful to my unknown protector, but I feel like that was a one in a million situation. Oh yeah, for sure. Jacob and I got married later that year and we moved far, far away. Sarah also left that house behind, just in case. Thanks for reading this crazy-ass story, and thank you so much for providing some spooky content on the podcast. I'm so excited to see what you have in store for us in the future. I will forever remain a devoted fiend, Ashley. Oh my gosh, Ashley, that is so intense. First of all, I can't even... Oh my gosh, I... um. Stalking is not okay, guys. <laughs> and if you are stalking someone, stop it. Um, if you're being stalked, yeah, for reals, call the police. But I am so glad that Ashley is okay. Yeah. Like out of every listener story that we have, I mean, dangerous situations and stuff. This is dangerous. Oh yeah. This is for a sure. human going after her, and he was definitely up to no good, and that is terrifying. Oh, it super is. And I. <laughs> The fact that she had somebody looking out for her, like not just Jacob, but like Jacob, you're awesome. Um, the the protector, like the mm-hmm. ghost. I wonder if it was like some like she didn't say that she recognized the person, but what if it was like I don't know somebody from her family, like a great grandfather or something that she yeah. had never met. Could be. That is so. Oh my gosh! Like yeah, it's hard to say exactly like what she saw, other than like the apparition of a human. shape well like the fact that it scared the shit out of david Mm -hmm. but like was so kind and loving towards her right oh just my heart you know what i mean yeah for sure that story literally got to me and ashley sorry for uh butchering some words there and stuff we're we're both tired (laughs) but that was fantastic thank you ashley for sharing that with us yeah thank you very much all right it's your turn for a story all right so mine is also pretty unique and oh my gosh here we go are you ready i'm ready all right hey isabel and andrew and all the fiends out there my name is monique and man do i have a story for you all right i just moved out of a small duplex in chicago and let me start off by saying thank god i do not live there anymore (laughs) if i could burn the place to the ground i would in a heartbeat but let me back up and explain the reasoning for my aggression toward a building Okay. I I signed the lease on the place about six months ago and was extremely excited to move in. Me and my boyfriend were finally taking the plunge to move in together, and the duplex seemed like a fantastic first home for both of us. At first, everything was normal, and we were in peaceful bliss, living that first home experience with one another. But then, almost overnight, everything changed. My little sister, who was only six at the time, came to stay the night with us while my mom went out of town for work. I was excited to have her there because my sister is like my favorite person ever. So we spent the day hanging out, playing games, eating junk food, you know, living the good life. Then nighttime came and my sister asked if we could stay up just a little bit longer. I happily agreed and we turned out the lights and turned on a movie. We had barely been sitting there for five minutes when my sister's entire body stiffened and she started to say, no, no, bad man. I was instantly freaked out, mostly because I had never seen her act like that before and there was no one else in my home. My boyfriend was out with friends at the time, so I was really confused. I asked her, what bad man? She pointed toward the entrance to the living room and said, there, the bad man. No. But there was no one there. I got up and turned on all the lights to prove that we were alone. 
She looked around as if the light had chased whatever she'd been seeing away. I was able to calm her down, and soon she fell asleep on my lap while the movie played. I stayed up until my boyfriend came home and told him what happened. We were both at a loss for words, eventually saying it was probably just a six-year-old's imagination and fear of the dark. A few weeks went by, and I started to have nightmares. And not just regular nightmares, but actual night terrors. I dreamed that there was a shadow coming for me, and I would wake up screaming. Oh, yeah. That would scare the hell out of me. Yeah. I began to think I was losing my mind because this had never happened to me before. Right. Then things began to go missing in the home. Important things like our car keys when we were trying to go to work in the mornings. My boyfriend was starting to get agitated, blaming me for misplacing things. I would totally blame you. (laughs) Yeah, I know you would. In truth, he was slowly becoming a different person. And I know they say you never truly know someone until you live with them, but this was different. His behavior wasn't normal in the sense of someone who was a closet abuser. It almost seemed like there was someone controlling him. And I know that sounds... (laughs) My gosh, I got called out twice. I know that sounds as Isabel likes to say wild, but it's true. (laughs) Things just gradually got worse over the months and moods were flaring. Finally, my boyfriend started to realize that I was not the cause of the strange things when we were sitting in the kitchen having breakfast one morning and two of the cabinet doors just flew open. Oh, no. What in the ever loving fuck, right? That was my thought when my favorite mug came flying out of the open cabinet and smashed on the floor. Bummer. I consulted all of my friends that day, and several of them suggested I either get the hell out of that place or start looking for a way to cleanse the home. Yeah, get out. (laughs) There were still three weeks left on my lease at that point, so instead of trying to find alternative housing for those weeks, I decided to go with a ladder of their suggestions. I found a small store that sold charms and crystals and like things of healing. I went in super pessimistic and explained my problem. The owner of the store was really nice and gave me a rundown of what I should do, which included saging the house, saying prayers in each of the rooms and placing like these four weird charms at the north, south and east and west of the home. Okay. So I went home determined to get rid of whatever stupid invisible fucker was ruining my (laughs) life and immediately got to work on the sage. The head, like the air in the place got really heavy and I could feel something watching me. It was super unsettling and I tried my best to ignore it and to just keep going. My logic was if I could get through it quickly, I could get rid of it quickly. I finished the saging and moved on to the prayers. The air became even heavier and dude, Mm. I shit you not. The light in the room I was in went out. I panicked. I turned to get the hell out of there when I saw a black shadow standing in the doorway. He was large and imposing and had red glowing eyes. I was like, hell no. I screamed at the demon, get your your ass out of my room. (laughs) That's fantastic. I also screamed some other choice things, but I will leave it out as to not fill my email full of profanities. I thought the shadow would charge me, but I was pleasantly surprised to blink and find him gone. I did not wait around to finish the prayers, nor deal with the charms. Mm -hmm. I was out of there. Smart. I called my boyfriend and told him he could either pack our shit up and follow me somewhere else, or he could have the entire place to himself. He chose to pack our stuff up, and we found a new place to live. Double smart. 
I decided after moving out that I wasn't going to walk away without at least doing what I could to prevent someone else from moving into that hellhole. That's fair. I went to the landlord and told him rather forcefully that he had a demon-infested duplex. (laughs) He tried to act surprised, but I am willing to bet he knew. We've been in our new home for a little over a month and everything has gone back to normal. And my boyfriend has calmed down and no longer acts like a possessed asshole. (laughs) He told me that the house had done something to him and moving out was like lifting an evil veil from his eyes. So there it is, the scariest damn story of my life. And I hope it was a good one for you and the fiends. Keep up the great work. I can't wait to see the podcast grow and thrive. Your fiend from the other side, Monique. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. A black shadow with glowing red eyes. Yeah. Thank you, Monique, for uh, sending that in. Yes, thank you. And uh, shadow figure with red eyes, that's a, that's a no-go situation for me. And, you know, there's there's so many stories out there about people moving in and their personalities change whenever yeah. they have, like, a, like, haunting or, like, you know, something is in yeah. their house their their mood just drops or whatever like drastically what's it called when it's not a possession but it's like uh just oppression oppression yeah Mm -hmm. it's like an affliction and honestly you know uh not to give too much of a spoiler but our halloween episode is coming up and you know our story has to do with some moods changing because of what is happening in their home Mm -hmm. you will get a full force kind of of that whenever we tell that story. Yep. Bad news bears. Yeah. All right. Well, are you ready to move on? Yep. Let's do it. We'll believe it when we see it with video evidence. All right. So it's video evidence time. Show me what you got. Yeah. So I decided to go a little bit off the beaten track of like, you know, ghost and stuff and go okay. for something a little bit, I don't know, a little bit more well-known. We're going to look at a video of a potential Bigfoot. The old, the old Bigfoot. The old Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. The big furry monkey man. All right. Well, <laughs> trust me, I've seen a lot of Bigfoot shows on, or well, Bigfoot sightings on mountain, mountain monsters. monsters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of an expert now. Yeah. The Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah. I could do it, but I'd blow out the speakers. Yeah, let's let's not. <laughs> if y'all if y'all want something entertaining to watch, please please do yourself a favor and go watch that show because it is so entertaining. I love them so much. Okay, so the video that I'm going to show you is uh, kind of you know reminiscent of your video from last week, where this isn't like a comp- compilation, but kind of. Okay. Um. So whenever we post this, just kind of be aware that it's like a long video, but there's only one clip we're going to watch inside of it. Um. But essentially, this is actually a video from Animal Planet. Oh yeah. And so I'm just going to press play here real quick. Okay. And what you're going to see is there's this, uh, like this Bigfoot, right? And you're going to see, it's kind of hard, but there's like a Bigfoot walking, right? And then something jumps off of the Bigfoot's back and into the trees. So they're saying that they think that this is a Bigfoot with like a baby Bigfoot on its back jumping into the trees. And look, it's just swinging in the trees. And it's very, see, yeah. And then like, look, it goes up and then it's just, yeah, it's just swinging. And like this, I think they said that this was taken about a hundred miles away from New York. 
man. And so, yeah, it, I don't know. I wouldn't think that there'd be a Bigfoot sighting 100 miles from any major city. I don't even, I mean, okay, I, I probably should have, you know, to be fair, I probably should have looked it up before we started oh, this. But I don't think there's like monkeys like that, just like chilling. Yeah. In the, like the woods outside of New York. I mean, unless they're escaped Maybe. from the zoo or something. So that is very odd to me. And I don't know what it could be like truly. Right. But it, it, I mean, I don't know if I believe in Bigfoot. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't know. I think it's possible. Yeah. I think that there is creatures out there that we haven't discovered, but like Bigfoot's a, a big creature. Yeah. And even though we've gotten videos of it and stuff, I would think that if it was real, we would have definite answers to it. Sure. But I don't know. I yeah, mean, who yeah. knows? Truly. It's, that, though, is fucking weird. Without any, like, uh, concrete scientific evidence, like, that's kind of the thing with cryptids. Um you got to have a little faith. Yeah. And I, without any concrete evidence, it's hard to be like, no, they're totally real. DNA, bone, something. Well, um, we're just going to go kind of right back to that story that I told. I can't remember if it was like in Mothman or, or when it was. But remember how we were talking about that video that that guy caught of what looked like a dire wolf? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge wolf. And those were right. thought to be extinct, right? True. And this dude captured a video, and I mean, I would not be surprised at all if that's what it was, hmm. because it was so big, and it looked like that's what it could be. And I mean, if something like that could be supposedly extinct mm-hmm. and be in hiding for that long, yeah, and then you catch a sighting of it, I don't know. I mean, there's a there's a big amount of national forest and yeah. uh, just protected land where things could hide out and we haven't you know gotten to explore all of it we're still finding native tribes that are you know hiding out Mm. so it's it's completely plausible and i think you know the only way that i can wrap my mind around bigfoot potentially even being real is that bigfoot is so um intelligent Mm -hmm. that they're able to stay away from us keep their numbers small and dispose of their dead you they, know what I mean? Or they teleport. Or they teleport, sure. I think it was uh, Oklahoma that recently had a Bigfoot hunting season. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I remember that. They actually like uh, were selling uh, hunting licenses for it, weren't yeah. they? I remember that. Yeah, it's pretty, like, uh, it's a week or two, I think, of like open season Bigfoot hunting. We don't live in Oklahoma. No. But let's go hunt us a Bigfoot. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Yeah. I mean, if you were the first to capture a Bigfoot. Oh my gosh. You would that would be that would be crazy. That would be crazy. Right. I don't know if I would be comfortable like killing something that there's like one. Of. I wouldn't want to kill it. I would just want to I guess not even capture it, though, really, because then they would, like, experiment on uh, it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe it's just best to leave Bigfoot alone. Yeah? Only shoot it with a camera. Oh, my gosh, yes. Please. Only a camera. All right, are you ready to move on? Yep, let's All do it. All right. Cryptid catalog. Don't expect this in the mail. All right, what do you have for me this yep, week? I've got cryptid corner this week, 
and we are going to be talking about Old Ned. I'm not sure I've ever heard of this one before. Well, Old Ned is Canadian. Oh, nice. Locals, we love our Canadian listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Locals of New Brunswick, Canada state that there is a monster in Lake Utopia. They have decided to call him Old Ned, and the sightings go back centuries. Legend states that a long time ago, two Maliseet natives were on Lake Utopia canoeing when out of nowhere the monster appeared, chasing them from one end of the lake to the other. The creature is described as bulky and over 20 feet long. It has a massive head and is reddish-brown to dark red in color. Okay. Since the arrival of Europeans to the area sometime in the late 18th century, the story has continued. New sightings are reported every three to five years, possibly due to breeding or feeding cycles. Hmm. Maybe it just hibernates. Yeah, that. Yeah. One man reported seeing the monster when he was 10 years old back in the 1920s, saying that he spotted old Ned while swimming in the lake. It was serpent-like, scaly, and swimming really quickly through the water. I don't think I'd want to swim in the water knowing that that was in there. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I wonder oh. if people swim, swim in uh, Loch Ness. I don't, I assume so. I don't know. Uh, although the two natives in the past said that Old Ned chased them in their canoe, most swear that the monster is not vicious and never tried to harm anyone. Norma Stewart, a cryptozoologist, claims that the last sighting of the Lake Utopia monster reported to her was in 2000, and the last, cited report, last sighting reported to the newspaper was in 1996. If there has been a more recent encounter, I couldn't find it. Though I'm pretty sure plenty of first-hand experiences not written on the internet exist. Mm-hmm. Regardless, Old Ned sounds a lot like good old Nessie. Right. Off Loch Ness. Yeah. There are many sightings of sea monsters all over the world, and it's possible they might be related. Although I've never seen one, I hold out hope that one day I might. I would love to see Nessie. Yeah. I don't want to swim with it, but <laughs> I, I would love to see it. I think, I, I'm okay, I don't like, you know, deep water. Like, I'm okay in a boat and all that stuff, but I don't... I, the thought of like floating in the ocean or something yeah. or like in the middle of a really deep lake. I don't like that, but I would love to go out like in a boat and just chill there and see, you know, Nessie or I guess old Ned or, you know, whatever, just pop up and be like, hello. Let's load up the kayaks and do it. Oh yeah. I would be down for that a hundred percent. And I mean, they've never been reported as being vicious. They sound like they just kind of live their life. Unless you're in a canoe. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I I mean, who's to say, though, that old Ned wasn't just playing with them, like Chase? Mm-hmm. Could have thought it was another big lake monster. I mean, possibly, but I feel like it was just playing with them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, I guess maybe the kayaks would not be a great idea if it's chasing canoes around. That's true. And like they can flip and oh, stuff yeah. and then you're in the water with them. Mm-hmm. So maybe not. Maybe not. Well, I liked this cryptid corner because it's not vicious and it sounds just like a good old Nessie story. Nope. Just I like old it. Ned chilling in the lake. Well, old Ned, I hope we see you one day. Canada, we would really like to see y'all one day and do a show there because we love Canada. I love to check Canada out. Oh my gosh, yes, so much. So Bring help on us, the maple syrup. Yes, please help <laughs> us grow so that we can please come to Canada and like a lot of other places too. Oh, that would be super cool. That was like somewhere that we have considered settling down as in Canada. So maybe one day, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. We like the cold. Yeah, 100% love snow. 
Are you ready to move on? Bring on the snow and the old Ned. And spirit board? That too. All right, let's do it. Is there anyone out there who wishes to communicate through the spirit board? So have you heard it from anybody this week? Yes, I, I have. I have as well. Oh, yeah? Would you like for me to go first? You want to do rock, paper, scissors for it? Okay, okay. sure, right. why not? One, wait. wait. One, two, three, shoot. Okay. One, two, three. One, two, three, shoot. All right. All right, one, one two, two, three, three shoot. Damn. Damn it. All right. One, two, three. What the fuck, Andrew? One, two, three. Shoot. All right. All right. I win. All right. Oh, that was intense. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I got an email and it says, hey, Andrew and Isabel, I'm a bit behind on listening, but have a thought about the car being thrown um, with the Lake Worth monster. Yeah. Um, Last cryptic corner. mm What did the insurance claim for that look like? Can you imagine? Thanks for the stories. Keep up the good work, Susan. Oh, Susan. Let's see. If I was an insurance adjuster, claims person, what would I think about a cryptid throwing a car? I I could not imagine getting like a phone call, like working for an insurance company saying, I, I know this is going to sound really weird, but uh, this monster kind of threw my car. So, and I was totaled. I I would probably call bullshit on the monster part, but it would be hard to argue with a car being thrown because. I it, mean, would it? But could you actually determine that it was thrown, or mm. like you know what I mean, or like this dude just like wrecked this vehicle into a wall or something? Well, I think it, they'd be looking for like uh, skid marks or something like that. That's that's fair. I, I guess that would be very interesting to have to go over there and see this like crumpled car and be like, this car looks like it was legit thrown, but you cannot believe that it was done by like, what kind yeah. of like insurance, what does the paperwork look like for that? Like yeah, it just did. passes up to who, like whatever department, like, you know, passes or fails or yeah. I don't know. I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> I've never worked for an insurance company, but it like, I'm assuming like, the adjuster or or the inspect what is it in it like an investigator i don't sure that sure. i don't know goes and like looks at the car and then he has to write up the report and then it goes to somebody else and then i'm sure it goes to somebody else mm-hmm. and so all these people are just reading this and probably seeing pictures of it yeah, I, what, what's that it would be when, weird uh when it's like a natural disaster like act of god yeah mm-hmm maybe maybe, write maybe it they'll just that. yeah i feel like that would probably be the way to go because I don't think there would be another way to. Yeah, I'd, I'd file it in the same area that happens when like a bear gets into a truck mm-hmm. and like tears everything up. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that was a good question, though. All right. Bear attack. That's the answer, Susan. That's the answer. Bear attack. <laughs> All right. Well, who did you hear from? All right. So the message I got was from Kyle, and it's a Bunny Man Bridge update. Okay. So Kyle says, hey, guys, I'm from Northern Virginia. And most of the stories of the Bunny Man Bridge that I've heard occur around Colchester Overpass. It's a railway overpass spanning Colchester Road near Clifton, Virginia. Hopefully that helps expand the Bunny Man Bridge uh, myth or lore. And I really love the guys uh, podcast you guys are doing and keep up the good work. Okay, thanks. Yeah, that does I appreciate help. it, Kyle. It's always uh, good to get 
more information from somebody, especially when that information may not be readily available during mm-hmm. research. So mm-hmm. someone who just is from the area and has a little more to add to it. Well, sometimes when you're reading things on the internet, they'll just kind of give like overviews of yeah. what it is. And you get way more lore and information whenever you grew up or live in the surrounding areas of where it is. Um, I know that there's like a, a story from where I'm from that if you look it up, you will get kind of like a an overview of the story. Mm-hmm. But I have so much information just because I live there and I've been there and things like that. And maybe one day I'll share that story. But yeah, so it's always nice to hear like people that are from that area give a little bit of background and whatever. Well, being from Northern Virginia myself, mm-hmm. it, it's not something I uh, did a lot of research into or anything when I was there. Right. It was just kind of one of those stories that came up every Halloween. Everybody's like, hey, you know, let's go out to the Bunny Man Bridge or don't go out there. The cops are out there this Halloween. And um, I never knew that it was a specific place. I thought it was just like the Bunny Man Bridge. So yeah. when you said that it wasn't tied to an area or like a specific location, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what the the lore said from where I read it. Um, but that doesn't always make it true. You know what I mean? Right. So there you have it. The oh. bunny man is everywhere. The bunny man is everywhere, including your closet. Not great. Under your bed or something. I don't know. In your closet, in your head. <laughs> and that was that's not a um that's not something I need to think about as we're recording this. Literally when we should already be in bed. So, yeah. Hooray. Yeah, so that's going to be a fun night again. Anyways, so did you hear from anybody else or? No, that's the only one I've got uh, All right, well, for this fair one. enough. Well, we would love for y'all to come check us out on Instagram at Paraffine Podcast or on our website, paraffinepodcast.com or Facebook, Paraffine Podcast. Um, we are always listening or looking for listener stories and like video evidence. So if you have a story that you want to share with us for us to read on the show, please send it in to spiritboard at paraffinepodcast.com. And you can also send it to us, you know, any kind of information, updates, uh, constructive criticism. Yep. I mean, anything you got for us, send it over. We, we would love to hear from y'all. And if you guys have a local cryptid towards you that no one else has heard about, we'd like to put that on our cryptid corner. Yes, please. Or if you have something even like an interesting topic that you would like to hear for a Tuesday episode, mm-hmm. or I mean, even for like a, a main, you know, Thursday episode, we uh, we just want to hear from y'all. We, you know, we want to interact with y'all and hear what y'all want to hear because we're here to tell y'all stories. Yep. So. But. Thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you for your support. Please like, follow, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, They're super important to helping us grow. And if you really want to help, share our podcast with friends, family, or a stranger on the street. Yes, please do that. And uh, I think the only last bit of news that we have is... This is our last episode dropping before Halloween. That's right. So we have our Halloween special coming up. We're going. It's going to be a two-parter, guys. Two-parter. So you're actually getting four episodes this week. That's right. We're How recording crazy. hard for y'all. Yes. So we're going to drop uh, one episode uh, the day before Halloween and one on Halloween. That's right. So And I'm very excited because we spent a lot of time doing research for this 
story. And it is so wild and scary. Isabel has uh, put in a mountain of work. Yeah, I have a lot. Um, And also just one, you know, quick thing real quick before we go. Uh, We're not ready to officially announce it, um, but we are ready to start our Patreon. And it's not up yet, but it's going to be. And if you subscribe, you're going to get an extra episode every month. So if you enjoy this, you're going to want to subscribe to this Patreon and get all of the cool extras that we are going to lay out whenever we finally open up the Patreon. Plus, you'll get access to... Isabel's crazy story. <laughs> yeah. Also, we will um, be putting up a Facebook group just for our Patreon members. And uh, I think by the time this episode drops, we will have already put up our Facebook page for our fiends in general. So just head over to Facebook. Um, it's going to be called Fiends, a uh, para fiend podcast group. Um, join over there. You can post and meet other fiends and make friends and you know, share crazy stories or, or whatever. So I'm very excited. There's amazing things happening already. And we just hope that it continues to grow and we can do live shows and it gets, we can go to like parent, like uh, haunted places and do shows there. Yeah. Oh, really I'm so excited. Really want to record in like a really creepy place. Like Lizzie Borden's house. That'd be cool. Oh my gosh. Yes. Maybe just like a random graveyard. Or that, yeah. I don't know. Well, just uh, make sure you, uh, you know, do the subscribing and rating and, you know, helping us spread the word. And we'll get there, right? Yep. All right. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. So until next time.